Right to be Right podcast, episode number 94, interview with Mark Dawson. Hey authors, wish you could just write books and forget about all this marketing and coordinating with freelancers and formatting and proofreading and stuff. You're not alone. It's every artist's dream to just be able to create art while turning over the whole business and marketing side to someone who really loves and is really great at doing just that. If you're ready to start treating your writing like a business and get an experienced publishing and marketing team behind your words, pay a visit to Archangel Inc. Archangel Inc. does absolutely everything needed to take a manuscript and turn it into a finished product ready to sell in all markets and multiple formats from cover design to audiobook and everything in between. And as an Archangel Inc. client, you'll be able to promote your book through Buck Books, the world's fastest growing book promotion website at no extra charge. To find out more, go to www.archangelinc.com. That's archangelinc.com. You are listening to the Right to Be Read podcast, and this is your host, Ani Alexander. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast that inspires and encourages writers. I'm your host, Danny Alexander, and today I have a very special guest, and we will be having a very interesting interview. I don't know if you have seen this or not, but a few weeks ago, there was an article on Forbes, which went viral, and it spoke about a self-published writer who's got paid from Amazon about $450,000 a year. And uh, of course, it was very popular among self-published authors and uh, the writers who wanted to become authors as well. I came across it at some point too. And as soon as I read it, I decided that I have to find the author and I have to take an interview from him in order to find out together with you how did he make it. So today my guest is Mark Dawson and he worked in the London film industry until recently. He now writes full-time after the success he came across to and he's working on three series. So let's just dive straight into the interview and find out how did he make it, what is he doing and how you can do the same too. So, hello everyone and welcome to the Right to be Read podcast. I'm your host, Dani Alexander, and today we have a very special guest. Actually, I read an article on Forbes saying Amazon pays $450,000 a year to this self-published writer. So, actually, that was the reason I kind of decided that, you know, this is really, really catchy. This is very interesting. You would like to hear about that. And I found the author, I got in touch with him, and Mark Dawson is now with me, and I'm really happy to have him over. Welcome to the show, Mark. Thanks, Amy. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's, I mean, you have to admit uh, that, you know, the article was kind of really, really impressive. And I guess that everyone who read it kind of, you know, the first thought was, oh, how come, you know, how did he manage to do that? But before we get into that, which is like the biggest question we would like to find answers to, uh, let's start from the beginning. And uh, I know that you haven't been a writer 
from the start and you've been doing many different things. So I would like to find out about your journey. How did you end up writing and how did you end up, you know, transitioning from one thing to another? Sure. I mean, I have been writing for, for a long time, actually. I, I, I had, um, I, re- I was originally published by Macmillan in the UK in 99 and, uh, or 2000, kind of 15 or 16 years ago. Um, I was working as a lawyer in those days, um, and I, I wrote in spare time, you know, in the evenings, lunchtimes, that kind of thing, and had a, had, that, had a book published, uh, then changed jobs and went, went to work for another law firm, and had a second book published, again with Macmillan, a year or two after that. And the, I mean, it was fun up, up to a point, but the, um, the experience was a little dispiriting pretty much as soon as the book was on the shelf, because... I'm sure some of your listeners will will be able to empathise with this, but it's very exciting to see your book in you know, in the flesh. Then it gets quite disappointing when it doesn't appear on the shelves in in the kind of prime positions, or it doesn't even appear on the shelves at all because the publisher hasn't been able to to get the books into the into the stores. There was no promotion, no marketing to speak of, and the book just the books they're not amazing. I write better books now, but they just kind of. Um, withered on the on the vine and and didn't really do very well so i stopped writing after that and took five or six years off and in the meantime i changed jobs i stopped being a lawyer and uh, went to work for a company in the british film industry so i was, I was like a what we call a classifier so we we'd watch films and give them their age ratings mm-hmm. which was an amazing job and i love i've always loved movies so it was um you know kind of a dream job and i stayed there for 10 years and uh, eventually the, the, I kind of picked writing up again I suppose five, four or five years ago um, and started to publish on uh, Kindle had a you know got an agent uh, we did the rounds with with a couple of the books that I'd written got some very nice rejections <laughs> um, you know kind of we would we would have published this but we published something very similar six months ago so all that kind of stuff um, uh-huh. so you know not it didn't didn't knock me too much because I just a friend of mine had published something on Kindle, so I thought I'd give that a try. And um, over the course of the last three years, I've gone from selling, you know, a, a copy to my mum and you know and and friends to selling um, hundreds of thousands of copies now. So um, one of my series, my biggest selling series, with a character called John Milton, I think I've probably sold the three hundred thousandth or had downloaded the three hundred thousandth copy uh, sometime in the last couple of weeks which is pretty cool. Okay, I see. So since you've been in our shoes and, you know, you started from there and you've been selling your <laughs> first books to your mom and your friends and then, you mm-hmm. know, most probably you also went to the dashboard and saw that, you know, pretty mm-hmm. round zero in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, what made you kind of realize that, you know, things have to change and, you know, uh, something has to be done in order to change the situation? I mean, did you kind of uh, come up with your own solutions or you made some research and saw what others were doing? How did this process go? Well, I, I'm a, I love learning. And when I'm trying to understand something, I'll, I'll absorb everything I can to teach myself to do it better than anybody else is doing it. So um, in the early days, I would have uh, found keyboards and um sucked everything I could out of that from people like Hugh Howie and Bella Andre and you know the big indie names who used to post there so 
that was a good place to start. Um, then I kind of ended up finding you know, three or four main podcasts and, and going through all of their back episodes. So self-publishing podcast, um, rocking self-publishing, um, Joanna Penn's mm-hmm. podcast. And, you know, and I've been on all those podcasts now, which is, is, is a nice kind of coming full circle. But in, in, you know, over the course of the last 18 months, I would have sucked everything out of those. And then since then I've, I've kind of broadened my um, diet out to, more social media marketing podcasts, um, marketing, copywriting, anything that's got anything to do with with or could have, could be useful for selling books. That's mm-hmm. uh, I'm interested in it. So I've just educated myself through you know exposing myself to as much of that as I as I can and just soaking it all up. So I, that's kind of given me my skill set. But going back to um, you, know, you asked when I you know had those handfuls of books being sold and then going to you know gradually building on that. I remember really quite well. I live um, outside Salisbury in the UK, so a very pretty area in the middle, in the countryside uh, in Wiltshire, in the southwest of England. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember once this would be like October 2012 or maybe August 2012, something like that. Um, I my book had been up the the Black Mile, which is the first book that I I self published, had been up on Amazon for six months, and I didn't do anything with it. I just kind of left it there, and I don't know whether I expected it just to be discovered which is obviously that doesn't really happen. So uh, a friend of mine tipped me off and said that you should try the uh, the promotional tools that Amazon makes available. So this was, was back in the day. I don't think countdown deals were around then, but you could still do the, the five free days per 90-day mm-hmm. exclusive periods. So I, I did that over the course of a weekend, and I did it on a Friday, kind of forgot about it. And then on the Sunday, I went for a, a long bike ride out into the countryside, and it was it was a hot day. Uh, the farmer was uh, kind of harvesting his fields, and I, I just, I fancied a, a rest. So I stopped the bike, got off, and um, sat down in this field, put my back to a tree, and just kind of watched the farmer for a bit. Then I thought, I better just, I'll just check my numbers. So I took my phone out of my pocket, miraculously had a signal, um, and went to the dashboard, hit refresh, and then found out I'd, there'd been something like forty or fifty thousand downloads um, over the course of the weekend. Wow! And that was the kind of, yeah, exactly. It was a yeah, this this I'm missing a trick here. This is this is legitimate. It could be interesting. And back in those days, uh, before the algorithm changed, uh, a a free download counted about the same as a as a sale. So mm-hmm. when the book came off free, it was very highly ranked. Um, started to sell a bit more, um, and so I actually started to make some money. So you know, the next month I actually got a check from Amazon, which was the first time the money had come from them to me rather than from me to them which had always been the case <laughs> up until that point and yeah. and since then I just I've, you know I wrote more books um, and then more and more books I mean last year I, started, I wrote six novels last year two novellas um, and every time I release a book they, they, it does better than the one before because my mailing list is bigger I'm better at launching I understand how to do that better um, you know, mm-hmm. to the extent that I can, I can launch books into the top 250 on Amazon.com reasonably reliably now without any advertising. Okay, so um, how, let's touch this point since you already mentioned that. How do you build your list in that case? Well, there's loads of ways. Um, I mean, the most obvious way is you've got to have um, calls to action in your book. Um, so make sure there's um, 
well, I'll back up one. You need to, there are three things you need to do. You need to, um, first of all, you've got to make a compelling offer. So I find giving away something is, is, is still the most powerful way of getting people to come onto your list. Mm-hmm. So I give away four books. Um, you don't need to give away four, but I've, I've got, I've got like 17 or 18 books I can work with now. So I'm able to do that, but you can give, you can give away one novella is, is more than enough to get people to sign up. So once you've worked out what your offer is, then you've got to drive traffic to it. So you or advertise it. So you, you can do that in, in your book. So, uh, definitely put a call to action in the back of the book. And I also recommend putting one in the front of the book so people can see it when they look at the look inside on the Amazon product page. Mm-hmm. Um, you should put it on your, on your, um, author page Amazon gives you a you know a, a page that you can personalize with information definitely put that on your author page um, if you've got promotion or kind of a free promotion or, or a paid promotion with say bookbub or um, any of the other sites if you can anticipate there's going to be traffic coming to your to, coming to a particular product page I'd recommend um, putting a, a reference towards the top of the description saying that you know you can get you know four books in my case or a novella or whatever uh, by signing up at the mailing list, because um, mm-hmm. my my view is it's much, a subscriber is much more valuable to me than a sale. Because um, once I've got someone's email address, um, I can then tell them myself when I've got something new to sell, rather than relying on Amazon or Apple or Kobo or whoever it is to to get in touch mm-hmm. on my behalf. I'd much rather be able to do that personally. So there's that. The other thing that I found out this this is the new this newest thing I've been working on this um, the last four months or so and the most powerful has been Facebook advertising so I started to experiment with that um, January the, I think January the 29th was the first day I put an ad up and I originally just, just concentrated on on kind of make, marketing this offer to get four free books for signing up on my mailing list and I, I targeted the ad quite carefully so that it was appeared in the news feeds of people who read the kinds of books that I write um, and in I think it was about seven or eight weeks, I added four thousand new subscribers, um, which was incredible. And and since I, I've been teaching people what I've done uh, over the last month or so, and that's not an unusual uh, level of sign up. So we've we've replicated that with with several other other writers, and not at a huge cost either. It's you obviously got to pay something, but um, you know for me it was I've paid about two thousand dollars for for the those 4,000 subscribers but you can do it for cheaper and, and you, you know you, you can you don't need 2,000 if you decide you want to spend $500 you'd probably get you know 250 500 600 new subscribers it's, it's really really powerful Mm-hmm. I see so basically when you kind of build your email list many people well, not many, but some might kind of, you know, subscribe to your list in order to get those free books. And then uh, you have this goal of keeping them in your list because they, you know, they always have this option of unsubscribing. Mm-hmm. So how do you keep those uh, people in your list engaged? What what are you sending them and how do you create this relationship so they stay and, you know, uh, and uh, be a loyal uh, email lister, sure. I say? Sure. Well, first of all, you don't need, you shouldn't be afraid of people unsubscribing. If if they don't want to be on the list, then it's better that they're they're off the list rather than on it because you're paying for everyone on mm-hmm. your list. Once you're over the you know if you're with Mailchimp, once you're over two thousand subscribers, you're paying from that point. So I make it easy for people to unsubscribe. I don't mind them doing that. What I don't like them doing is reporting the an email for spam because Mailchimp will shut you down if if you go over a certain threshold on spam reports. So you need to avoid that. Um, but you know, in terms of 
actually contacting your readers um it depends i mean i, I don't i don't email very often i'll email when i've got something to sell like a new book coming out or an offer that i think might be of value to my readers um mm-hmm. beyond that i don't i don't contact them every week some people do it doesn't work for me i, I think um you know if, if i was getting emails every week in, in my uh in my inbox i would unsubscribe probably so it's just that's just me um so i'm a yeah i'm a little bit more um kind of reticent than than others but you know whatever suits really is kind of you know whatever you whatever you think is appropriate for your list that work that was fine one thing i would say in terms of interaction i i reply to pretty much every email that i get from from readers um mm-hmm. and it's difficult to do that these days because i get quite a lot of emails now um but i'll do it for as long as i can because one of the reasons i went I th- one of the reasons i think i did so well last year was because People feel because I'm quite personable, and I, I'll reply to everything. I don't use canned responses. That you know, that if mm. someone asks me a question, I'll answer. Um, I think you're kind of you're turning readers into fans, and that's quite an important definition change there. Because um, you know, readers are great. We need readers, but fans are the people that you can rely on to be loyal and to buy your new stuff when it comes out. And you don't need that many fans to to you know sustain a, a creative career you know, I've, I've heard you know ten thousand is the kind of the magic number but i don't think you need that many i think you know if you get five thousand you can do pretty well mm-hmm. yeah i see so basically uh the logic is the following you you kind of you give away uh you know several uh, well what you can even give away one book in your case you're giving out uh four books for free Mm-hmm. And you're driving through Facebook advertising, you're targeting people who are reading similar books that you are writing. And uh, later on, uh, you're having you're getting them in your email list. And then you kind of, you know, you have them as potential uh, readers for your next upcoming books, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay, so and I guess that the number of books, the portfolio you're having is quite important as well. I, I guess, you know, to scale up, you have to write more books. And, you know, this thing won't really work if you just have only two out there. So how do you manage to uh, stay so prolific and to write so many books in such a short period of time? You, you, you can build a list with, with two. You can build a list with one book. I mean, f- uh, if you're giving something away, uh, if that's if you've got one book, I, I would recommend. My view is, if you've just written your first book, I'd, I would give it away um, because your main objective should be to build your list and and be writing your second book. That's those are the things that you need to be thinking about. Um, you're, it's very very unlikely that people are going to make any money on, on with just one book. It's, mm-hmm. you know, some some people do it, but they're very very fortunate. Um, I think you've got to kind of look long term, um, and that first book is your asset to get people on your mailing list. And then when you've got them on your mailing list, that's when you can sell them the second book, um, and and then you can sell them the third book. So you know, I I, I always focus kind of in the into the medium and long term. Um, I'm not, I don't care about giving stuff away in the short term because I'm I'm playing a longer game than that. So that was kind of avoiding the question. Well, <laughs> remind me what, the, what your question was again. Well, I was saying, how do you manage to stay so prolific uh, yeah. and write yeah, so yeah. many books? Sure. Well, I, I did six last year uh, and two novellas. And that was whilst I was um, commuting. I still had the, the day job there. So I was commuting from Salisbury to London and back, which is three hours on the train. Um, and I had two kids. I've still got two kids under under three. 
um, and a busy job. So it is a, it's a good question, and I kind of well, I often wondered how I managed it. Um, but the reason is it was just that three hours a day on the train. I can, I can usually, if I've got no distractions, I can do three thousand, two and a half thousand to three thousand words in in three hours. And so it's just a question of doing the maths from that point. If you if you're doing that commute, you know. 300 days a year say or 280 before you know it you've got up to 800,000 words and you know if you're you've got to be you've got to be prolific that's right and you've got to have you know ideas and 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 you've got to I mean I, I'm very particular on quality so it's not like I'm just churning out stuff and then you know it's not being edited or all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. I wouldn't publish something that I wasn't very pleased with and you know if you look at my the books on Amazon my review average is really high so it isn't, you know, 4.8, 4.9 out of 5. So it's, it's not like um, readers are disappointed with the books. They, they, they go down really well. But it's, it is possible to do that. I mean, if, if um, when I was in a cafe today, I, I write in cafes around the place where I live, and um, they saw me writing on my laptop. So they came over and asked me what I was doing. So I said, I'm, I'm writing, I'm a writer. And uh, as happens quite a lot, the, the waitress said, I'd like to be a writer too. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, and how have you, how many books have you written? So I yeah, so 17, 18. And then, you know, how, how on earth have you done that? And it's, uh, she, cause I'm very busy. And I was thinking, well, I, there wasn't a thing that I said. Um, <laughs> you can, you can find reasons not to write, right? It's, it's easy to find excuses, but if you want to write and you're, you're dedicated to doing it, you will, you can find time. You know, there's, I was that, that three hours on the train, was could have been dead time for me or I could have done something else but that was that was the time I chose to write um before that when I was a lawyer when I was living in London I'd, I'd write at the weekends I'd write at any spare minute I had so lunchtime I'd do 60 minutes I'd get up early and do another hour before I went to work and then I'd, I'd work in the evening so if you want something bad enough um you know you can make sacrifices and if you're not prepared to make sacrifices then I think you have to question whether or not you actually really want to be a writer Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with that because I, I also have plenty of examples where people are obviously much uh, more occupied and with uh, heavier responsibilities than many others, but they managed to do that and, and others just ended up with excuses. Mm. So basically, um, what do you think? How much of your success is due to the fact that you are writing series? Yeah, quite a lot. Um, it, and I, I, I do things like um, regular surveys of my of my readers. Mm-hmm. So I like to know, um, you know what their – I like to know lots of things about them. I like to know their ages, their gender, um, how much they think my books are worth, all that kind of stuff. But one of the questions I ask is how many books have you read of mine? And the average answer comes back seven or eight. So – the reason for that is pretty, it's pretty straightforward. They tend to start with one of, I've got three series, so they'll start with one of the, one of the series. And I kind of engineer that by giving away those four books I give away. Um, three of them are the, are the first books in those respective series. Mm-hmm. So once someone starts reading, I'm confident enough my writing is good enough and compelling enough that they, they often hooked. And so they basically get the first one for free and then they, they'll, they'll chew through the series that they're looking for and then they'll, they'll often will go back to the other series and then the other one. And the way I set my mailing list up, I tend to know what book someone has signed up to my list from after reading. Mm-hmm. So if I know that, 
then I can um, I can email them. Well, if I know that they've read book if they've read book one in one particular series, the first email automatic email they'll get will be you know telling them that about book two in that series, and then maybe after four or five months they'll get an email saying that you if you like the John Milton series you'll love the Beatrix Rose series, and then mm-hmm. I introduce them to the the first book in that series. Let's give them an extract. Um, obviously, you, you have your you know send them give them a link to the relevant store, all that kind of stuff. That not many writers go into that kind of level of um, detail of knowing that much about their readers. So you know, not just who they are, but where they found you. That that kind of stuff is very valuable because it can it informs your 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 email marketing, which mm-hmm. is still still the most powerful form of marketing that we have. Yeah, I see. So basically, what you're doing, you're ending the um, book of the series with a cliffhanger, so they they kind of they are looking forward for the next one. Um, not really cliffhanger. The, the, the cliffhangers. Well, I've done that a couple of times, and you get you'll get you'll get some people who hate that. Um, other people love it. It doesn't bother me as a reader, but some people feel cheated if a, if a story doesn't conclude. Mm-hmm. But you can have a you can leave a narrative arc that's open across across a series, and that's fine. I just think you, you've got to, my view is you need to resolve the main points of the narrative in within the book that you're writing, but it's, it's fine to, you know, leave, leave something open. And the, the other thing with writing a series is people become invested in the character. So people, I get a lot of people saying they feel very attached to, to John Milton, who's my, my main character. And obviously mm-hmm. he, he's a constant in all of those books. So people want to know what he did next. Um, and that's that's something that you you can parlay that to to increase the read through rate of of that of a particular series. It's more difficult to do that with standalone books because the only thing you've got there is is your writing, which yeah. is fine because that can you know if you if you're a good writer, you know I I read the books I read, the authors I read don't tend to write in series. So I love Martin Amis for example, and he doesn't he writes a series of standalone books. But the reason I go back to him and Brace and Ellis and people like that is, is because I love their writing. So that's, that's the, it's possible to do the other way around. But I think it, if for, for kind of new writers who are just getting their feet wet with this kind of stuff, you're probably going to find it slightly easier if you do write in a series. Mm-hmm. But it's not, it's, it's not essential. And how long are each book of the series? Um, they vary from, say, 65,000 words to 100,000 words. Oh, so they're like a full-length novel uh, length. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ah, okay, I see. So, uh, and are there any specifics in writing series? Like, for example, let's say someone has written only standalone novels. And what are the adjustments or what are like the specific things that one has to know about writing series? Uh, just think about the kind of the broader, the broader arc. So... You have a, you know, the, the the story won't be contained just in one volume. It's got to be broader and will go over five or six, or, or you know, could go over many more books than that. So you just got to have a slightly longer term view of things. Um, so maybe start plotting something out that's a little bigger, um, and then try to think about the kinds of things that you want to talk. You know, the kinds of journey you want to take your your protagonist on. Uh huh. Okay, I see. So let's maybe talk a bit since your main uh, kind of um, marketing approach is um, driving traffic from Facebook ads. 
maybe we could kind of, you know, talk a bit about that. Uh, like if someone is just starting out and doesn't know anything about Facebook ads and apparently, you know, there is a certain amount of investment involved. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, many would kind of, you know, would not feel very comfortable getting into this because they are, uh, they might not understand how it works. So, you know, how one should approach this? Do they start with small amounts and experiment or are there any things that they can find out straight away and know how to approach this? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm doing a course on that at the moment. So that it's, I've got three, three free videos that people can look at um, and we're getting a lot of people signing up for that and you, that can be found at it's uh, www.selfpublishingformula.com um there will be a paid course at the end of that but obviously there's no uh, no obligation on anyone to do anything other than enjoy and learn from those free videos um in terms of ex financial exposure and that kind of stuff you you do need to be careful because facebook does make it pretty easy to to, to spend a lot of money um mm -hmm. so i i spend $350 a day at the moment in terms of advertising. I definitely wouldn't recommend that for um, someone who's just getting into it, but you can spend as little as a dollar a day. Um, and that's what I would recommend. You start slow. So you just, you, you limit your exposure. So you, you know, you set a limit that you won't spend more than a dollar every day or whatever you want, $5 or $10 or whatever it is. And then you experiment with ads and you, you learn as you're experimenting, you split tests, you find out which ads work which targeting works best because I mean, Facebook is unbelievably powerful in terms of what it offers with targeting these mm -hmm. days. So, you know, I could, I target my books to, uh, to well, lots of ways. I can target them to um, people who look like my subscribers. So I can take a mailing list from face for my mailing list, um, a, a CSV, put that into Facebook and Facebook will generate a list of people to advertise to who are quite like people on my mailing list. So oh. that's powerful. That's powerful. Um, or I could I could send them to people who like the fan pages of other authors that I'm competing with. So I, my books are compared to Lee Child and Jack Reacher. Mm -hmm. So I can send ads just to people who like Lee Child and Jack Reacher. So and that's just that's scraping the surface. There's a lot more you can do with with all kinds of complicated stuff that is not necessarily at the early level, but there's a lot you can dig into once you get a bit more experienced. But it's, yeah, you definitely, you need to learn um, and you need to be reasonably careful. But it is, it's it provided, you, you you know, you know how to set your budget, which is quite easy to do. You're fine. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's pretty straightforward. So you drive them uh, straight to the opt-in page where you kind of, uh, you show your free four books. Yeah. But, but um, I mean... The Facebook ads are kind of, you know, you, you are pretty limited in your message and the amount of words you can use and things like that. So how do you make sure that it's attractive enough for people to click and to get mm. to your page? Because on your page, you, I mean, you're pretty free and you can, you know, you have more freedom and flexibility in, in creating the message. But what about the ads? You're not actually, uh, you're only limited in space if you use the ads manager. So that's the, um, first of all, no one should boost their posts. It's a complete waste of money. Um, so don't do that. But, and also don't, I wouldn't recommend using the ads manager. So it's, it's, the, it's the simplest way of, use, of generating ads, but it's not very effective. And there are lots of limits on how much, you can, how much space you can use and copy. So the, what you should use is the power editor. 
So it's a slightly it's a slightly more complicated tool to learn, but the benefits completely outweigh the, the effort that you'd need to expend to learn how to use it. So once you've you've got that, uh, you do have more more space to play with. But I I don't recommend writing essays in adverts. You just need I mean my ads can be quite short, uh, but you just need to learn how to write compelling copy. Um, and that, that's something you can learn. You can learn looking at other ads on Facebook that seem to be doing quite well. Or you can look more widely at advertising generally. So you know, what billboards do you find are compelling? What kind of language do people who write sales copy use? And you know, there, there, are, there are podcasts you can listen to. There's some really excellent Facebook podcasts or, and social media advertising podcasts generally that you can dig into for really useful advice. Mm-hmm. Okay, I see. So is Facebook your only marketing tool you use to drive traffic to your website, uh, to your opt-in page? Or do you use also something else? I mean, for example, how do you deal with other social media channels? Um, I've got a, a presence on Twitter with you know, three or 4,000 people following. I, don't, I tend to use that as a kind of a conversational tool. I haven't really dug into the Twitter ads yet because that platform is still pretty new. Um, they've got some quite cool things that you know that will lead generation tools on Twitter that I would like to get into when, once I've got a little bit of time um, and once it's settled down a little bit. But for the moment, Facebook is is number one. Um, we, I'm doing a little bit of um, uh, Google uh, AdSense and AdWords advertising, and I'm looking into YouTube ads at the moment as well. So there are plenty of potential uh, places that you can place your ads, but. For me, you know, I think if you're starting out, you should pick one mm-hmm. and, le- and learn that. You can, it's very easy to, to kind of scatter your effort across everything. But the best way is to, is to focus on one thing, get that down. And then once that's running on autopilot, then you can look at something else. Okay, I see. And what what do you think? I mean, what you're doing is a long term strategy, and it takes time and it takes a bit of patience because I I, I assume that you know it won't happen overnight. So, uh, how long did it take you to kind of to gain uh, the momentum and to get to the stage where you could live on that income solely? Um, I well, I did it in. I guess last year was kind of the pivotal year for me. So I, when I start, when the year started in January, I was probably earning a little less than I earn in my day job. And then uh, March was a kind of a that was the tipping point for me. So I suddenly went. I'm still not entirely sure what happened. It was I had a book release that did very very well. It might probably was, would have been that, and then people going back and buying the other books. But I went from you know earning a bit less than I was earning my day job to earning two or three times more and then and that um that stayed constant throughout the year um and I'd said to myself that if I could sustain that if I could earn the same as my day job for a year um then that would be the moment to to leave so that would have been February or March 2015 but um things were going so well that there was a um they they reduced start the headcabs at work, so they offered some redundancy payments, and just kind of felt like, okay, I could also take some money to leave now, which I was going to do anyway. It was kind of just one of those opportunities that was difficult to turn down. Mm-hmm. But but the kind of takeaway from that is it is possible to be quite quick. So I, you know, I went from, you know, I've only really been doing this properly since kind of the middle of twenty thirteen. That was my, my my first Milton book was published in June twenty thirteen. So just you know, over just under 
two years I've been doing this you know seriously with a with an eye to doing it as a career and I've gone from selling not very many to you know I've, I'll sell or have downloaded 10, maybe 10,000 books this month um, which is you know it is but you, you can you can uh, accelerate quite quickly if you learn um, and you're you know you work hard uh-huh okay so if you kind of make big conclusions and looking back at your uh, journey uh, what would you advise what are like the biggest most important thing that you did which brought the biggest change in your journey yeah um, well kind of the first thing we will assume that people have written a good book because um, that's kind of non-negotiable if the book isn't good it doesn't matter what you what you do um, you, you'll struggle to sell, but assuming that the book is good, which I'm sure it will be, the thing that um, the, the the main thing, and I was slow to do this, um, I, I lost some momentum in the early days. It's, you must get a mailing list immediately. Don't wait. Um, kind of assume that you'll be successful quickly, because if then if you if you do that, you'll be in a position to take advantage of of, of good fortune. If you are if if things do proceed well for you. So when I said to you before, I had that that weekend where I had you know tens of thousands of free books downloaded. I didn't have a mailing list then, mm-hmm. so maybe you know maybe I lost the chance to add a thousand people to my list, which and perhaps that would have meant I would have been able to grow those people into two thousand faster, yeah, and then four thousand. You know, I could have I could have been at the stage I'm at now, maybe this time last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely you must get a mailing list it's, it's the most powerful marketing tool that indie authors have in their arsenals and it's not expensive you can get a MailChimp account for nothing um, yeah. you know they, they and even I, I would personally re- would recommend people paying for the paid account immediately it's not expensive um, and they uh, they'll you get the, the useful things like automation so automated emails um, and, and other tools that are really, really helpful. It's not essential if, if money is tight, but if you've got 10 bucks a month that you, you can invest in your career, then I would definitely spring for the, the paid version mm-hmm. as, as soon as you can. So that, that would be, that's the main thing. You don't, you know, get that sorted out first, um, write a good book, and then immediately, don't wait, write another book. And, you know, another thing, I, was, I, was, I spoke at the London Book Fair for, on the, on, for the Amazon panel couple of weeks ago and I got lots and lots of questions afterwards from people who'd been had taken two or three years to write their, their novel and that's fine if if you if you're happy to do that and that's how long you you need to take to write a book that's fine but you are less much less likely to be successful if it takes you three years to write a novel because mm-hmm. you, you do you do need one of the things that is very important these days is you have to work and you've got to be productive uh, and you've got to turn you you've got to get new books to the market as reasonably regularly because if if you don't if you're writing thrillers and you take um two years to write a thriller and I'm writing thrillers every four or five months I'm going to take your readers um yeah. and the same goes the same goes for me if I if I write one every five, six months say and Russell Blake who's another indie indie author writing in the same kind of genre that that I do at roughly the same pace if he suddenly ups his pace and his books are good and all that kind of stuff. Then I'm going to lose readers too. So, you've you've got to you've got to be reasonably prolific. You know, mm. I, I think I don't think you need to write six novels a year like I did last year. I think two is probably fine or three. Um, but 
you, you can't what, I, what I'm trying to say is don't um, if you've got something that's nearly finished then there's nothing gained by moving punctuation around yeah you know, it's, it's you've got to you've got to know when to ship when to when to hit, hit right, you know, when to type the end get it to your editor Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see. And maybe um, just a question so, so people can imagine. We, we're talking about a good book, and I, I guess that includes the, the cover, the editing, you know, everything, mm-hmm. everything that adds up quality to the book. So mm-hmm. in average, to end up with a decent, good quality book, how much one has to spend? Um, not as much as you'd ex- as you'd expect if you read some things in the paper these days. So I mean, I, I spend uh, my covers cost me about one hundred and seventy five dollars um, each. Uh, my editing probably five hundred maybe, and I pay for someone to format my my books into uh, mobile files, EPUBs, and PDFs, and that cost me about sixty dollars. So I can I can bring it in for I don't know less six hundred dollars maybe perhaps a touch less. You don't need you. You could you could do it less than that, but it's definitely unless you're like a really 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 good unless your day job is designing book covers or or you're very very good with Photoshop. I would say don't try and do covers yourself because um, you yeah. might think it looks good, but chances are it looks terrible. Uh, and if if your book cover doesn't work, you, you are you're really really disabling your chances of doing well because it's a sad fact that people. That is the first thing that people look at. So yeah, you have to invest in that. And the second thing is you've got to make sure your book is well edited. So the, the first couple of books, I thought I could do it myself, a combination of me and my wife, and we, we could read it. We wouldn't miss anything. But, of course, we missed everything because um, I'm the worst. The writer is the worst person possible yeah. to <laughs> ed, edit your own stuff because you'll miss everything. So um, the early reviews for the Black Mile and the Imposter, my first two Amazon books, um, have a saying like this book has got mistakes. I love the book, but he needs to get an editor. The fact was, I didn't have one, so you know it was a fair comment. Um, and since then, I've gone back, and they've all been professionally edited. But it's it's definitely something that's an ex- an expense. It's kind of non-negotiable. You've got to treat this. You have to treat this as a business. Mm-hmm. And you've got to be, and you you will not you will suffer if you put out stuff with with mistakes, especially in in like the first ten percent, the, the kind of stuff that's going to be in the look inside or yeah. the sample, because people will judge you based on that. So you cannot afford to have any mistakes um, at the start of the book because you you just won't get sales. Yeah, I see. Well, thank you very much for this valuable information. Uh, before we part, maybe you could remind once again where people could go to get the free videos for the Facebook advertising uh, training you've set up. Yeah, sure. Um, so that's at, that's at www.selfpublishingformula.com um, and my website's at uh, markjdawson.com. Um, you can get me at either of those places. Okay, great. Well, um, I'll put them in the show notes and make sure that people know where to go. Uh, Thank you once again for uh, spending this time with me. Um, You know, it's it's really interesting to kind of and inspiring at the same time to follow the path of someone who's been in our shoes just a few years ago. (laughs) Sure, absolutely. It's a pleasure pleasure to be on the show. Thank you very much. Okay, I guess that was it for today. So if you are interested in uh, Mark's strategy, just check out his free videos. And in case you prefer 
to listen to audiobooks instead of reading them, please check out Audible, where you can get one free audiobook by signing up to their free trial. Just go to www.audibletrial.com backward slash write to be read two as a number, B as a letter, just like the podcast is spelled. Well, take care, have a great week, keep writing, and I wish you success with your books. Hey, authors, wish you could just write books and forget about all this marketing and coordinating with freelancers and formatting and proofreading and stuff. You're not alone. It's every artist's dream to just be able to create art while turning over the whole business and marketing side to someone who really loves and is really great at doing just that. If you're ready to start treating your writing like a business and get an experienced publishing and marketing team behind your words, pay a visit to Archangel Inc. Archangel Inc. does absolutely everything needed to take a manuscript and turn it into a finished product ready to sell in all markets and multiple formats from cover design to audiobook and everything in between. And as an Archangel Inc. client, you'll be able to promote your book through Buck Books, the world's fastest growing book promotion website at no extra charge. To find out more, go to www.archangelinc.com. That's archangelinc.com. <laughs>